On this episode of Chasing Natty, listen to me and Jared's Week Zero reactions, listen to our weekend standouts and disappointments, find out who our waiver wire pickups are, and players you should hold off on for the week. All that and more on Chasing the Natty. Goes to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! Watch out for Mr. Robinson. This kid is going to be special and is already flashing. This is Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. It is Sunday morning as we are recording this. We have just gotten through week zero of the college of the 2021 college football season. I don't know about you, Xavier. I'm having a great time. By the way, I haven't mentioned this. My name is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. Uh, on the other side of me, there is the ever handsome Xavier Hood. Xavier, how you doing, man? Did you enjoy yesterday's games? Uh yeah i mean it's football is back you know somewhat week zero uh you know week zero is week zero for a reason we haven't officially officially got to our power five competitions yet well we got we had one power we five had one game. we had one but it was all in all some good fun there um yeah that's that's um, my two cents on it i'll we'll speak about it a little bit more on this episode oh not not just a little bit more we'll we'll, we'll be going full full depth into week zero we'll be talking about our um the players our saturday standouts the people who we were kind of impressed by uh, our saturday suckers like the people who um very much disappointed us i have a pretty long list of those uh this week i'm not gonna lie uh we got some waiver winners for you some people who you think you should absolutely be targeting on the waiver wire if you haven't uh checked already and then we have a few people who i call waiver worries who are people who look like they had a great day on saturday but you really probably shouldn't be dropping anybody on your starting roster or on your roster just yet for these guys so we'll get all to that and more in this episode but again if you're having a good time the kanye album just dropped this morning i know you're excited about that uh on this glorious sunday glorious sunday they finally like the room the rumors were true this time they finally actually came out with it so yes we can finally be at peace workout music motivation music all that good stuff so there you go have you listened to any of the songs yet or you know i have i have i went to the listening party a few weeks back so i already knew what i was going into it but i was just like i just want to hear the final product just to hear some things what what is the official xavier hood uh critical review of the album oh man um I'm not ready to rank the album in terms of all his greatest albums, but I will say it, it has been an enjoyable time. It's one of the one of the more enjoyable first listens I've had all year. Okay, nice, nice, yeah. nice. I feel like you could easily start your own podcast based on music. I, I was thinking about it too. I was like, oh man, I could do fantasy basketball, music. There's so many ideas that I, I just love talking about. But oh, absolutely. For this show. Oh man, college football! Like, yeah, really we should probably actually the... get started talking about that, shouldn't we? We should. We absolutely should. Uh, it's it's the start of the new season. Like we we have games this week as well too. This upcoming that we'll get to <laughs> another show. Like Wednesday, you don't understand. I'm so excited for a Wednesday game. It's just oh, yeah. so great. Yeah, but, UAB uh, we'll, and Jacksonville. We'll, yeah, yeah, but we'll get back to week zero because there, there's been a lot to go through. Yeah, we'll just go through kind of our basic reactions of week zero. This is a little bit less fantasy talk and more just typical like CFB talk um, that you typically hear. Like, because again, we're fantasy guys, but at the end of the day, we're fans. We're just enjoying these games and everything. So, uh, I guess we'll just start off at the top of the list here. First, first game of the afternoon was Nebraska and Illinois. Xavier, what, what were your thoughts about that game? I'll say this: as as a football fan, I was disappointed. I was I was kind of hoping I, I did have Illinois in the upset. I did not think Scott Frost Nebraska would come out of here and win this game because I knew what Adrian Martinez was the entire time. There were people that still held out hope and I was going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I was like, all right, you can have that hope, but I'm going to be on the other side and say that Adrian Martinez is still not a great quarterback. And he proved that the other yesterday. Now, fantasy wise. He made up a lot of production late and off of like, you know, big home run plays and mainly just one. Mm -hmm. So, but Illinois came up with the upset. Uh, 
Coach Belima, uh, Brent Belima, uh, he did it. I was, I was not so much surprised, but it's still, you know, for Vegas and the odds to have them like what minus, uh, no, it was like plus. Uh, it was Nebraska minus six or six and a half. If I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, I think they're minus seven. They were minus seven. I think oh, they're wow. full touchdown. Wow. So, uh, but yeah, Illinois definitely surprised a lot of people. Now, I think the bigger story is with their running back room. Uh, I'll let you touch on that a little bit more with mm-hmm. Illinois. But yeah, Nebraska overall just was very uninspiring. Uh, I'll get to one or maybe two players that might might have caught my eye, but I'll let you talk about the Illinois running back room. Um, yeah, Illinois running back room. Uh, again, we're going to kind of get into this a little bit more once we get into like the Saturday standouts and everything. But the big thing it, it was that we didn't take very long before uh, coach misinformation bit us in the rear because um, Chase Brown was expected to be and was listed as the starting running back for Illinois. And then lo and behold, we get to the game and all of a sudden he's out. Uh, not for injury, but for team disciplinary reasons. Um, so just out of nowhere, we lose our starting running back and or starting running back for Illinois. And Mike Epstein steps in. We'll get again. We'll talk about him here in a second uh, when I talk about my Saturday standouts and all that. Um, on, behind him, you also had a uh, believe. God, what was the other? Was it Reggie Love? I think Reggie Love was the other running back if, uh, for Illinois. Yeah, Reggie Love. He he had twelve carries for forty five yards, zero touchdowns. But uh, Mike Epstein definitely was kind of that lead back there. Um, he had 16 carries for 75 yards. So I'm not entirely sure how this running back room plays out in the future. Cause I imagine chase Brown does come back next week. Cause he did, he played a couple, uh, carries this game. He had five carries, for 24 yards, zero touchdowns, but that was like, he, that was after halftime. He came in clearly by this point, the game was already well in hand. So they didn't really want to trot him out there too much. Um, so yeah, but Mike Epstein did have a pretty good day yesterday, so I'm not sure how much he then cuts into Chase Brown's future carries. I know this the offense is going to run the ball a ton because it's a Brett Belima uh, offense. And so I imagine that both of these guys will be getting plenty of carries, especially if they get into these games like they did with Nebraska where they're just going to need to run the ball down people's throats in order to keep in order to run the clock out. But... Yeah, I'm not. Again, we'll get more into my thoughts on whether or not Mike Epstein is a future fantasy play in the upcoming weeks. So yeah, and now we're gonna move on to the UConn and Fresno State game. I I, I talked first last time, so I guess you could start this time. And there's not much to really say about this game except for one side. But yeah, yeah, UConn, uh, rough game, rough, rough game. Fresno State scared me for a minute there because it wasn't until yep. the second quarter where they really started kind of catching catching fire and everything. And I was like, they were texting me. He was just like, "Is this the Fresno State offense?" I'm like, "Listen, listen, they, they'll they'll get going any minute now, any minute now." And oh, yeah, uh, all the memes and gifs were flying or gifs, whatever you want to call them. But yeah, I was just like, you know, poking some fun. But oh, it did take a while for that offense to get started up. But once it did, they 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 never looked back. Um, yeah, the Ty Jones touchdown was very the spark that they needed uh, for Heiner until he got leg cramps. What was that third quarter? Oh, he got hit. Um, yeah, and he was uh, limping off the field. I hope he's okay. Uh, I haven't heard anything um, in terms of whether or not he'll be back for next week against Oregon. I think they said it was just uh, they said it was just you know leg uh, cramps or spasms from that hit. Okay. So I was like, he, I think he that's should be fine. that that's good news. Regardless, he got sat down. Uh, five came in. Took over from there. He was fine. He had one touchdown, one interception. Like it's a typical backup job right there. The game was already well in hand by that point. Um, Ronnie Rivers, my boy Ronnie Rivers, uh, had a, himself a good day. Thirteen carries, fifty-eight yards. Um, Could have used a bit more on the rushing side, but again, this is just a very pass-heavy offense, which is a good thing for Ronnie Rivers because he also had um, two receptions yesterday for sixty-six yards and a touchdown. So he's going to have plenty of PPR value there. Um, school record if i'm not mistaken uh for touchdowns uh for that program oh that's very i i you know what i i did hear that you're right you're right yeah. I, pre- I appreciate you bringing that up so congratulations mr rivers if you listen to this podcast for some reason um <laughs> <laughs> so um some other people um the kind of pointed out yesterday um eric brooks was a receiver yesterday i was kind of surprised by um he had five receptions and had the most amount of targets on that Fresno State offense yesterday. Again, I don't know if this is really because they were playing UConn. 
And so maybe he was a little bit more open than he would be against better competition. Uh, Jalen Cropper, of course, had that monster touchdown uh, about halfway through the third quarter, I think it was. But regardless, yeah, so. he had like four UConn defenders on him at one point. For some reason, none of them were able to bring him down. And so that was just the play of the day that we all needed. We all love Jalen Cropper. He's going to be fantastic for this offense. Um, and then, yeah, there's really not much uh, else to say about UConn on that on their side of the ball. Again, we'll 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 kind of get into some of those players once we get into like our Saturday sucker, Saturday standouts, um, all that good jazz. Yeah. So Xavier, you want to talk about the UCLA Hawaii <sighs> game? Man, uh, yeah, uh, this is the game I was probably looking forward to the most, and I'm not gonna say I, even though. UCLA scored a lot and they looked a lot better there. There was obviously a standout. I want to get some touch on the Hawaii side where the discipline, where my disappointment comes from, mm-hmm. not just because I have a little stock in Calvin Turner, but just as a whole, I was just expecting a little bit like more, just better. Uh, Todd Graham, just, I don't know what game script he was running, but it was just, it wasn't working. He didn't make any adjustments. And with that game, they just looked completely inept against UCLA. It made UCLA look like a, a stout defense, which, you know, it, uh, for a Power 5 program and going against uh, Hawaii, I would expect nothing less, but I had high hopes for Hawaii going in with their offense. Javon Cordero's no, like, slouch at quarterback. I think he can absolutely play better, but it, it just looked terrible at times, or not even at times, just the entire game where the O-line collapsed a lot. He got sacked. He wasn't running as uh, much as he should have been. Calvin Turner was basically not even used as a running back, which kind of scares me. It was like if they're going to go their full receiver route, which Calvin Turner can be a good receiver, probably could be that number one receiver for that Hawaii offense. And I think he was yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, uh, I think he had like five receptions for 50 yards, and that's the most they had for a receiver. Yes, this but, is correct. Yeah. So, but I'm just like, Calvin Turner is a dual threat type of athlete. So use him both in the run game and the passing game. But they, he just decided not to. And I was just like, oh, okay, that kind of shows concern. Maybe this is because it's just because they were going against UCLA, wanted to mix things up. But it just was very un- uninspiring. But getting on the other side, I, I will only touch on uh, one part of UCLA. And just since I'm sticking with the theme of disappointment, DTR did not look that great at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll we'll touch on a lot of these like yeah. uh, player disappointments here in a second. Yeah, but um, yeah. Besides that, uh, the run game for UCLA looks revolutionized. Uh, I'll let Jared touch a little bit more on that. There were obviously there's key standout players um, from that, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, like I'm, I'm with you 100. I expected this game to be somewhat closer. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't on board with people who were saying that, like, oh my god, Hawaii's gonna cover the spread in this game because it's like 17. I'm like, if you're, to- if you're like north of 20, I would have said maybe like they covered the spread. But I, I knew that UCLA was probably going, especially uh, knowing that Hawaii's run defense is among the worst in the country. I just knew that UCLA was probably going to be able to handle them very well. Again, like you kind of mentioned before, I, I was surprised they didn't try to use DTR a little bit more. But then again, when one of your running backs is averaging over 17 yards per carry, why the hell else? Why the hell do anything else? Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, those, those are kind of my thoughts on that game and everything. Like, like Xavier said, very disappointed in the Hawaii offense. Um, I personally am kind of selling that entire offense right now. Um, but yeah, that, that, the, those are basically my thoughts on that game. Again, I, again, a lot of people were disappointed with yesterday's game. So like, oh, every one of them was like a blowout and like not very close and everything. I'm like, well, I had fun. UCLA, UCLA was fun to watch yesterday. I will say that much, especially when they like were committing to the run. Um, next game we got on the slate is a UTEP at North New Mexico State. I had a hard time trying to find clips and uh, streams of this game. I did manage to find one finally. Thank God for insert uh, redacted name here. Um, they managed to find one. And so I was able to watch a good bit. And my God, New Mexico State is bad. Like, oh my God. I did not think it was possible for a D1 program to be this awful. UTEP is not a good team. UTEP, like, like we need to be frank here. UTEP is not going to be a team that is going to contend in their conference in the CUSA. They are not going to be a team that people are going to be fearing. 
They might have one or two pieces here and there, like Jacob Cowling. We'll talk about him in a minute here. Um, on in addition, um, Deion Hankins is not, again good running back, but not not somebody that teams are gonna be, is gonna be striking fear into the heart of teams. Like this is this is like UTEP is not a good team, and they blew out New Mexico State yesterday. It was the final score was thirty to three, so New Mexico State just could not get anything going and i'm not surprised this is a team that lost by 26 to something called tarleton state a team that had just moved to the fcs last season like this is like new mexico state is an embarrassment of a program there is not a single piece on that offense that i would ever want to touch in fantasy like i i was shocked when some people were like oh you never know they might they, they're only favored by like nine points you never know that like you new mexico state might be better than we think no they're awful they're simply awful i personally like there's no reason why i'm gonna want to watch a new mexico state game for the like the rest of this season as far as i'm concerned unless the other team that they're playing is a lot more intriguing to me in which case if somebody's playing new mexico state i am starting all the players against new mexico state I'm starting their defense. Whoever plays New Mexico State, start their defense. Stream the defense for the week. No joke. So, again, we'll, we'll get into specific players here in a second. Um, yeah. Xavier, did you happen to catch in the San Jose State game uh, last night? I, or I caught a little bit. Just uh, I was kind of a little bit tired last night. So no I only just caught a little bit. But um, San Jose State, from what I gather, did what they were supposed to do. They, they, they met expectations. Their offense is you know, as potent as what people were expecting it to be. There are some standout players and uh, that we're going to touch on later, but San, San Jose state, they, they played a good game and they were going to get Southern Utah given that. So, but you know, you, t- you beat the teams you're supposed to beat and San Jose state was supposed to beat Southern Utah. I don't mm-hmm. know what the, uh, what the spread was, but it probably was San Jose, probably like uh, minus 14 or something like that 14 uh, and a half. Probably, I, no probably it, it was bigger than that i think it was like really? 20 okay. something i think it was 20, 20 something. something so yeah. yeah even greater than that so they handled business they showed their offense it didn't take like you know two or three quarters for it to get going they just started out the gate and we're just like moving it so i was very thoroughly pleased with san jose state now to see them go against greater competition will be the bigger <laughs> test for me to fully buy into some players but I do have some guys I'm keeping my eye out for. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, again, like I, I again, we'll we'll talk about specific players here in a second. And um, I, I definitely saw plenty of players in San Jose say that I'm I'm definitely interested in, and definitely I, I have a lot of opinions on them. But again, those are that's kind of our basic recap of our just opinions overall of week zero. Um, it was a very good appetizer for the upcoming season and everything. Again, not not or zero close games really. Um, like yeah, Nebraska Illinois looked close at the end, but like Illinois ran away with that in the third quarter, and then it was just about running the clock out in Nebraska trying to catch back up. And so, um, but yeah, like again, no close games, so that's a little disappointing. But unfortunately, like. That's just how it, that's just, just the nature of the beast. Sometimes you had only five games. Typically, you have like sixty on a weekend, so your odds of getting a close game in there sometimes just kind of go down. But that's okay. That's yeah. all good. I'm I'm happy with it. I'm ready for the rest of the season. So um, we're gonna go ahead and move on to to players. And I'll apologize to everybody on the YouTube side of things. I don't have uh, a lot of graphics set up for this episode yet. Mostly because I'm still trying to figure out how I want to, uh, how we want to format these uh, recap shows and everything. So I don't want to build any graphics for segments that probably won't get kept around or may not get kept around for next week or as the season goes on. So right now you're just going to look at me and Xavier's beautiful faces. So I hope you enjoy that. Um, so first we're going to talk about our Saturday standouts. These are going to be the players that we were just straight up impressed by. Like we're not going to necessarily give our opinions of whether or not you should be picking up, picking them up on the waiver wire or not. Um, but we just want to let you know that like, Hey, these guys had a great weekend, especially fantasy wise. So Xavier, uh, do you want to start? Or do you want me to start? Uh, 
I'll start. Uh, right. I'll, I'll start with the biggest standout of the weekend. Zach Charbonnet, transfer from Michigan, current running back at UCLA, had himself a great day. Now, the context behind this, it was against Hawaii's run defense. And like Jared mentioned earlier, it's probably one of the worst in the country, not if the worst. Mm-hmm. But he showed a lot of promise. Six carries, 106 yards, three touchdowns, and a reception for 14 yards. Zach Charbonnet looked like the best player on that field yesterday, at, hands down. Now, I will say for all those that have like ownership of Britton Brown, that it, it's no like, you know, it's no deterrent to like, you know, drop Britton Brown. And I'm saying like, it's still pick up Jack Charbonnet if you can, if still if he's in your league. Mm. But Br- Britton Brown is still a great running back for that program. And I think it will still be a tough battle because I believe he got the first carry at the beginning of the game. Yes, Britton Brown did get first carry. He did. So obviously Chip Kelly sees something in Britton Brown over Zach Charbonnet in practice to want him to have that first carry. But it just happened to uh, be that Zach Charbonnet had the bigger day. But Zach Charbonnet showed out. And I think it's just more with, with Zach Charbonnet. It's just so funny because like the running joke is right now is all these hard like these former Harbo like players just standing out or going to the NFL or going to different programs and just having better careers not like not being under that Michigan umbrella because this Michigan is just a disappointment. Whenever they fire Harbaugh is going to probably be the, the best day for them because they're just wasting a lot of talent. And I, it kind of, it, it just, it saddens me because like there, there's so many good players that they bring in, especially like this mm-hmm. year, like Donovan Edwards, but that's neither here nor there. We'll see how that pans out. But Zach Charbonnet looked amazing. He was a very mean and tough runner, breaking a lot of tackles. There was one, uh, there was one play where me and Jared were going back and forth of how many tackles he broke. Jared says two. I'm saying like four. (laughs) All I'm saying is that if somebody is Superman diving and taps his foot, that does not count as a broken tackle. It's a missed tackle. Sometimes you have those shoelace tackles. Yeah, but it's a missed tackle. That's not a broken tackle. Hey, sometimes you have those shoelace tackles, and if he was just strong enough to like move over him, then it's it's okay. Because even those broken tackles, they can count as missed. Because you didn't like technically tackle him. Nobody tackled him. Somebody's gonna just like some running back's gonna just step on somebody's hand one day, and Xavier's gonna be like, "That's a broken tackle." Yep, I'm like, you couldn't get your hand on him. Couldn't get your you know uninjured hand to. Yeah, that's a missed tackle though. Oh my god, whatever. This is not worth arguing. Oh no, it's it's fine. But, yeah, Zach Charbonnet was a very, very productive, a mean rusher. showed off his speed and strength uh, through those trenches. And he had a lot of gaping holes as well, too. But he showed a lot of promise for that UCLA uh, running back room. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, that's that's our first standout for the day. Uh, we'll move on to well, Mike I, 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 No, I, I got some thoughts here. Hold on, hold on, well, you got hold some on, thoughts. On. I got, got some, some thoughts, thoughts again. Too. So, okay, okay. again, mostly agreeing with Xavier here. Again, I'm, I've been a big Britton Bound guy. I think I own more shares of him at running back than almost anybody else because I've just been hearing great things coming out of camp almost all offseason about Britton Brown. He's been working hard. He's been working on his receiving work, making sure that he is absolutely ready to take over that Demetric Felton role or Joshua Kelly role as well in that UCLA offense. And so he de- like, I heard, again, I heard nothing but great things. So I was drafting him everywhere I could. I'm like, all right, this is going to, this is going to be the next big piece of this UCLA offense. Cause let's be honest, there's not a ton of great receiving options on UCLA out, especially at the wide receiver position. So they're going to be working that tight end. They're going to be working that running back. Um, we'll get to the tight end in a second. Um, and so, um again i was a big believer in britain bound and i can't deny i mean charbonnet had a great day yesterday like you can't deny like six carries 106 yards three touchdowns at 17.7 yards per carry like that's absolutely insane but also insustainable like there's no way charbonnet is running 17 yards per carry every single week so i think a lot of people really need to kind of calm down with the crowning of zach charbonnet um again he obviously had a great day yesterday don't get me wrong like xavier said easily looks like the best running back if not the best player on the field yesterday but i don't think this is quite the break uh, i don't think like obviously it was a breakout performance but like it's not quite the solidification of him as the rb1 going into going into the coming weeks because Britton brown don't forget had 13 carries yesterday versus zach charbonnet who had six now obviously charbonnet did a lot more with his carries but Britton brown had still very good day yesterday 13 carries 78 yards and a touchdown and i'm sure if they if they kept him in the entire game he would have had a absolutely monster day like Britton brown is no slouch 
So, like Xavier said, absolutely pick up Charbonnet just to see like how this uh, running back room breaks down. But also, don't pick him up thinking that you are going to be getting an every week starter who's going to be getting these crazy 30-yard games every single time. Because there will be split carries between him and Britton Brown. So, we'll go ahead and move on to the next guy. Um, and I'm going to do it with my Saturday standout here of Mike Epstein, running back at Illinois. Uh, like, I, like I kind of bemoaned earlier, Chase Brown was held out for team disciplinary reasons. And so... You are looking at a guy who had to step up as Chase Brown was being held out, and he absolutely did. Uh, he had 16 carries, 75 yards, and a touchdown, um, which was averaging, I think, between, if I'm doing my math correctly here, that's a little under uh, five yards a carry. So he um, he did very well for himself um, during the game. And so it um, he uh, scored 14.2 fantasy points yesterday, so not like a monster game or anything like that. But again, very clearly showed that he can be a very good running back in this Illinois offense. However, I'll go ahead and just talk about whether or not I think you should be targeting him on the waiver wire. And I'm going to say no. Uh, as much as, as good of a day I think he had. Um, he obviously didn't have just a monster day where you're like, oh my God, I have to have this man on your roster. But also, Chase Brown will be coming back. Um, he, Chase Brown already had five carries yesterday, so he stole all those carries yesterday. And he, he sat out half the game. You know for a fact Chase Brown is going to absolutely be back to being a focal point of this offense in the future. If not the sole, if if not the number one running back, he'll absolutely be splitting carries with Epstein, and thus I think it's going to be making this off or this run game a little hard to consider fantasy relevant. So that's Mike Epstein. I thought he had a great Saturday, but I'm also going to say don't worry about picking him up off waiver wires. Yeah, I have the same exact sentiments. Uh, I think he filled that role uh, perfectly for the game that they were in. Um, they definitely got the upset over Nebraska, which I, like I earlier said, I predicted. Um, but um, Mike Epstein came in uh, in that Britt Belima uh, run off, uh, run heavy offense, and basically did his job. Uh, I, I'm with Jared in this. I'm like, I just don't think it's sustainable with having Chase Brown as well too. I think Chase Brown is the better back. So I think Mike Epstein's, uh, you know, carries and load might be a little, uh, you know, they, they might decrease over time. Now they could split it because, you know, Illinois is not that great of a team and they will be coming back from a lot and that can weigh a lot on a running back. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, only, only a few people were getting Chase Brown in like some of those deeper leagues. So I guess if you had Chase Brown and Mike Epstein, that might work out, but I, I don't think so. it would end up working out. Like it, you, yeah. you would need Chase Brown to fully take back over the. Um, you would need him to fully take back over the um, running back room in order for it to be worth your while. There's too yeah. many other good players. But yeah, that, that's that's mainly it for Mike Epstein. It was just it, it was a good day for him. Great mm-hmm. uh, week zero win. All right, Xavier, who are you gonna go? Who are you gonna go with next for your Saturday standouts? Uh, let's see so many players, but I, I think we have to touch on Ronnie rivers, uh, the running back for Fresno state, or can we even call him a running back anymore? I'm just playing. He he's a multi-tooled <laughs> guy running back wide receiver, fresh, uh, Fresno state. I feel like he should deserve that classification if he doesn't have it already mm-hmm. on fan tracks and other, uh, platforms because, oh my God, buddy went off, uh, <laughs> 13 carries, 58 yards. I know that's not the impressive part, but the two receptions, 66 yards and a touchdown, that's that's why you get Ronnie Rivers. He has that dual ability of, you know, being a great rusher with under that Fresno State offense. You know, even though Fresno State is not a run-heavy team, the fact that he's still integrated in that offense in the passing game and is able to, like, get points, especially, like, per reception and touchdowns, it's mm-hmm. why that he's like one of those top running backs that you look forward to. So I loved Ronnie Rivers day. That entire Fresno state's offense was great uh, that day as well, too. So it took uh, him a minute no, to get going, but it did take him a minute. I had me concerned for a second. I was like, is this Fresno state being bad? Or are you kind of being good? So I was mm-hmm. just like, I think Fresno state was just, you know, slowly getting their way back into form. But yeah, that's, that's mainly my two cents on it. Jared, how did you feel about Ronnie? I mean, I love Ronnie Rivers. I'm not going to say much else here that you hadn't said already. So, yeah, Ronnie Rivers is fantastic. 
the next standout player that I wanted to kind of point out here is somebody who I felt like came out of nowhere. And it's why I'm recommending you don't quite pick him up off waiver wires just yet. And that's Oliver Martin, wide receiver out of Nebraska. Um, this dude was hogging targets yesterday. I will say, like, everybody was expecting uh, Samori Tori. Uh, Omar Manning was another one. Xavier Betts was, was another name I was seeing drafted around. But Oliver Martin, turns out, uh, was a target hog yesterday. He had 10 targets for six receptions uh, for 103 yards and a touchdown. So scored 19.3 points. Uh, Real quick, as an aside, if I ever mention like how many points a player scored, or Xavier ever mentions uh, points uh, that we might have on our show sheet and everything, this is always based on half point PPR. So that's kind of like a middle ground between those of you who are smart and play zero PPR and those of you who are just points hungry uh, and, and play PPR. I'm just joking. All, all scoring formats are welcomed here. Um, so. We just assume half PPR when we talk about points and everything, so that you can kind of get like an in-between idea of like if you're if you're zero PPR, the points I'm going to say are just a little bit more than what you're expecting. If you're uh, full point PPR, these are a little these are like a little bit less than what you're expecting. Anyway, tangent done. Oliver Martin, dude had a good day, like no doubt about it. Uh, very much benefited from Nebraska having to come back against Illinois or trying to come back against Illinois. Um, definitely was. Uh, Definitely was Martinez's favorite target during that time. And like I said, he had a good day. But again, because he kind of, because of this kind of out of nowhereness and everything, this happens a lot in college football where a receiver will just have this out of nowhere game, especially early on in the season. And you're just not sure if this is going to be something that continues on throughout the season or if it's just his lucky day. Um, so I'm going to say Oliver Martin, great job on Saturday. Uh, probably the probably the best player for Nebraska because well yeah Adrian Martinez had more fantasy points but my god did he play terrible um, so Oliver Martin congratulations but I'm also going to say don't quite pick him up yet so Xavier what yeah. are your thoughts here yeah I'm in the same boat I, I'm not ready to pick him up I did a little bit more research on Oliver uh, Martin and I looked up uh, he's been there in the program for I think like three or four years now uh, they okay. still classify as a junior because you know that COVID year kind of just messed everything up and gave people extra year eligibility. So it's so funny. The interesting thing about that game is I'm, I'm pretty sure that he basically had 90% of his production in that, like, well, not 90% of his production, but originally he had like uh, each year, he only probably had 125 for the entire 125 yards for the entire year. He had a hundred and if I'm not mistaken, six, 106, 100 or 103. 103. I, oh, yeah. I, I mixed him up with Charbonnet. My bad. Yeah. 103 yards for the entire day in one game. Now, usually he does 125 in a season. So this could be a fluke game. I just don't see it as a sustainable. The fact that he's been there for three, four years, and this is the first time he's ever done anything like this. Now, I could be wrong. There are these like once in a, you know, these once in a blue moon type players where things just start clicking after you get more experience and more well adjusted to the offense. Now, I will say, Scott Frost is probably like, you know, two seconds away from being fired as we speak right now. So <laughs> yep. Things may change. Things may or change. Or if, if, if they decide to keep Scott Frost, which I would strongly not recommend for Nebraska to do for the future of their program. But I'm not the AD there. I am not the uh, the boosters or, you know, the alumni or the alumnus. But it's 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 neither here nor there. But, um, yeah, I, I just think he had a really great day. He did what he was uh, – you know, he was Adrian Martinez's uh, best receiver out there, probably the best player. And, yeah, it's it's just, you know, you have those players that have great days, but they're not going to be sustainable or they're not going to have any type of future or anything for fantasy or NFL. So it's just what it is. He had a great college day. He can take that and tell his kids that, hey, I had 100 yards in the game. Yeah, I had 100 yards. Hey, kids, like, let me tell you about the story where I got 100 yards in a game and a game we lost to illinois that's why you just don't mention that i lost just like hey i had 100 yards in like the power five level oh that's great dad (laughs) oh yeah don't worry don't look up the game i would say don't don't look up the game just don't look up the game hey he can he can say that he did he he did his best um quarterback was bad the defense couldn't stop anything um we'll go ahead and move on to probably our i'm gonna (laughs) <laughs> just gonna keep going huh yeah. <laughs> we'll go ahead and move on to probably our last uh main saturday standout here i might mention one more but uh we'll go ahead and talk about jacob cowing um utep receiver 
Um, I'll be honest, I kind of avoided him for the most part, mostly because the name UTEP right next to him, and I'm like, okay, I don't plan on these guys being that good. So I'm like, you know what? He might be a target hog in this offense and everything. And like, it's not something that I want to like put my trust in. Like, I don't want a top receiver on a bad team uh, all the time. Uh, mostly because I just don't see them getting many scoring opportunities, like touchdowns and everything. Like, he'll get plenty of targets. But... He had a great day yesterday against New Mexico State. Uh, he had five targets, five receptions, 158 yards, and a touchdown. Dude, he had himself a day. But like I said, playing against New Mexico State. So I'm not fully buying into him as like an every week starter. But he does play Bethune-Cookman. So if you're struggling week one and you might need an extra receiver, Cowling might be your guy. Um, in addition to that, just watching him. I just didn't think, like, I guess I should have just been watching more film on him throughout the offseason and everything, but dude's a legitimate talent. Uh, he had an incredible one-handed catch during the game. Uh, wasn't for a touchdown, but, like, uh, the quarterback, I forget his name off the top of my head, I think it's a Hardison, uh, absolutely threw it well behind him. And he just kind of turns his body, re I just re <laughs> re reaches out, like, behind him and snags that thing out of the air. It looks incredible. Uh, since Avery the clip, it was, like, it was, it was fantastic. Oh, yeah. So, I, again, my recommendation for him here is pick him up if you're struggling at receiver. I see no reason why not to take this flyer. And especially for week one, again, playing with Ian Cookman. Um, and they are in the CUSA, so they don't play the best of defenses all the time. So I think he's absolutely worth picking up if you are struggling at receiver. If you have a solid receiver room, I don't think he's really worth dropping. I think you're you're going to be plenty fine without him. Yeah, uh, I, 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 this is where I kind of disagree with Jared just a little bit. I, I think, mm -hmm. and I'm still looking at him as a flyer, uh, definitely for that week one against Bethune Cookman, but. I just like the intangibles of what I saw. I know uh, with UTEP, they're not, you know, the best team in the world or not the flashiest team, but I think he is that bright spot on that UTEP offense. A lot of people were going in thinking it was going to be Deion Hankins for that running back room. We'll get into him later. But um, Jacob Cowan, uh, you know, the one-headed catch, the athleticism, the speed, the routes that he, run, that he was running just looked very, very clean. And uh, I think it all depends on the quarterback. I think we – I think we were uh, deciding if it's Hardison. So mm -hmm. if Hardison can get him the ball and, you know, if he can just at least get like maybe just a touchdown a game or just, you know, a hundred yards or close to that, which I think he can, cause he has a talent too, then it would be a good pickup if you're in a deeper league. And also if you're struggling at receiver, but if you're set at receiver, then there's no point to it. I, I just, you know, see how it plays, <laughs> but I, I'm a little bit more in on him than Jared is. Now, I do want to say, I know probably a little bit uh, strapped on time, but I want Jared to touch on his my guy because I know he's been, yeah, he's been, he's been I, I, doing I was about this to throw him in here because you got it. You have to. I, I got to take a victory I, lap here. Okay. At least for week Jared one, at least for week one. But I, I called it yesterday before yep. the game starts. I said one name I'm looking at is Luke Ford. Four-star tight end, transferred from Georgia, Illinois. His story is well-documented. If you haven't heard of him, please go look it up. Uh, you want to see a player that's been screwed by the NCAA? Read that story right there. Um, so I'm like, all right, I'm ready for this man to finally get out on the field and start doing some stuff, especially in a Brett Belima offense where the pass-catching options on Illinois are <clears throat> awful. Um he can absolutely be a short yardage guy where if the run game is being uh, keyed in on, he is going to be a guy that they're going to swing the pass out to and make sure they can get him over the middle. Um, and so yesterday he had three receptions and he probably would have had more had he not taken a big shot on his uh, third reception. They probably were just, um, once they, again, they realized they had the game in hand. They're just like, all right, we're going to rest you up a little bit, just have you do some blocking and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, three receptions, 30 yards, and he got the touchdown. He got the lone receiving touchdown for Illinois yesterday. So I do think he's absolutely going to be a red zone threat for them this year. And yeah, I'm extremely excited about Luke Ford. I'm I'm really, really hoping that he has a great year for them. Oh, um, I, I, I will, I'll have a little small caveat. I know Jared's been on him ever since we recruited him at Georgia. And it's not one of those situations where, like, you know, I know there's going to be a lot of uh, little funny comments about, like, oh, you let another, you know, great talent get away. And I was like, no, there were different circumstances. Look at the story about the NCAA screwing him and why he wanted to transfer out of Georgia. But we all knew what the talent he was at tight end and what we were possibly going to get there. But, you know, circumstances happen, and he wanted to transfer back home to his home state of Illinois. 
Mm-hmm. And we knew that he had talent. Jared just believed in him a little bit more to actually, you know, have fancy relevance, which I was still a little bit on the fence about. I was like, I don't know if they're going to use him enough, if he's actually going to, like, stand out. I know he has the talent, too. I'm not going to break Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I was like, but he definitely, you know, he definitely, you know, moved his way onto the field and was able to show that he deserves to be incorporated in that offense, especially for like if you're if you're Brett Belima and the run game is not working like Jared said, he was in there for on the goal line for a tight end touchdown. The receiving touchdown he got was a goal line touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, those little variant, uh, those little uh, variable differences that they can mix up and uh, you know throw off some defenses that Luke Ford can be used for. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that like three three receptions and three targets are anything to really write home about. But it was enough to where I saw him and I saw him being one of the most talented receiving options for Illinois this year to me for me to say, hey, keep an eye on Luke Ford. I, I, yeah. That is all I am saying. Again, he's absolutely going to be playing a part in this offense in the upcoming weeks. And I do think they would have used him more yesterday had he not gotten banged up a little bit on his third reception. Yeah. So, and he's a tight end. And he's, he's a tight, tight end. end. So you don't you don't so, you don't get you don't get consistent guys like this very often. Exactly. Tight end. Um yeah, so um we'll go ahead and move on to some players that disappointed us. So um we'll try to go through these just a little bit faster than we went through the standouts. Um so uh, I guess I'll pick somebody first and I'm just gonna go with the UCLA offense and uh now, of course, yesterday they were running a lot, and there was no reason not to run because they were like again when one of your running backs is almost averaging twenty yards a carry, why the hell else would you do anything else? But regardless, it was very disappointing to see Greg Dolchich record only one reception for fifteen yards yesterday. Like I thought this man was going to be a focal point in this offense, but he only got two targets throughout the whole day yesterday, and um, Dorian Thompson Robinson threw twenty passes. I was legitimately shocked. I was like, Dolchich is one of your best players on this field. I guess maybe Hawaii keyed in on Dolchich and maybe wasn't open quite as much. But even still, it was just a rough day for him yesterday. So that's that's one of my disappointing players, Greg Dolchich. Um, I had him as my tight end too. Not 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 getting there at the pace he's going right now. Yeah, uh, I'll talk about uh, Calvin Turner, a guy that I have stock in and I'm still you know pretty high on. I just, it's just a disappointing day, mainly because of his coach. It's just the the script wasn't for him. I don't know what Todd Graham was thinking because he gave um, – oh, man, the running back is escaping my mind, Jared. I know you know his name offhand. Oh, Day Day uh, Hunter. Day Day Hunter got more uh, work at running back than uh, Calvin Turner. And a little bit – I think he almost like had, what, seven receptions as a receiver? But yep. it was just like he wasn't pro- – he wasn't producing at all. So I was just confused. I was like – Obviously, Calvin Turner is your only bright spot on that offense next to Shavon Cordero, which I'm like, he's still a good uh, quarterback. It's just that the offensive line was terrible. But speaking on a little bit more on Calvin Turner, they just mainly used him as a receiver. And I know it's a, a fear that me and Jared are having that if he's just only limited to a receiver, then his value goes drastically down. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to have that dual ability like a Ronnie Rivers, especially if you're not playing – you know, all the top competition. Now, UCLA was a formidable opponent for them uh, in the um, Pac-12, but we'll see how this season plays out. And maybe it was just like <laughs> the the pedigree of the program versus Hawaii, which is not, you know, the greatest program in the world. So we'll, we'll see. You know, I, I'll, I'll hold on to him for a few more weeks, but it is kind of concerning. So I will say that. I don't think it's Calvin Turner's fault that he wasn't productive. I think it was just mainly the offense and the script uh, for his production going now, maybe. And again, I'm looking. I'm again. I, I put out the tweet. Yes, I put out a tweet yesterday comparing Calvin Turner and Day Day Hunter's performances and like how befuddled I was. Calvin Turner had five, like five touches throughout the entire day. He had five receptions. Day Day Hunter had 14 touches throughout the day. Had seven receptions, seven carries. Day Day Hunter still had less yards than Calvin Turner did throughout the entire day. And he had almost three times as many touches. That should tell that that tells me a coaching failure right there. That you are not getting the ball into your best player's hands. Yeah. Um. So we'll move on from Calvin Turner. I'm going to go back to UCLA. I'm going to go Dorian Thompson Robinson. Pool boy, as a man that is a that is being drafted as a QB two in most leagues and everything, he had a rough day yesterday. Fifty percent completion percentage only a single touchdown which came on one drive where they they basically forced dtr and said hey you like 
you've been piss poor passing all day long. You need to go. You need to make sure you complete this drive with a passing touchdown. And he did. He got a 44-yard touchdown out of it. Um, but regardless, uh, the rushing ability or not the rushing. The rushing ability is there, but the rushing production just wasn't there as much yesterday. Again, mostly because they're relying on Charbonnet and Britton Brown. I'm not sure how much that plays into the rest of the season. But even so, like it's just a rough start for Dorian Thompson Robinson, who is expected to be draft eligible after this year. Uh, he is somebody that a lot of people are really hoping to see a jump in growth this year in order to maybe possibly be drafted at the end of the year. And so far, I'm just not seeing it. Yeah, I'm completely with you. Um, I guess we can move on to another player as well. I'll go with... I, I think I'm just going to stick with the Hawaii game as well, too. I'm going to go Shavon Cordero. It just... Um, I think it also was just, you know, bad coaching as well, too, because you didn't see uh, – maybe I'll put a little bit of blame on Cordero as well, too, because he didn't really adapt because his O-line collapsed a lot. I'm saying he didn't he's running his for his rushing. life half the game. Yeah, he's running for his life, but he's not running for, like, gains. He's just taking sacks or going down. He'll maybe get, like, a one- or two-yard gain, almost uh, throw – like, uh, he's throwing bad passes. There was one pass where the guy fumbled the ball and picked it back up, and I was – I think it was Calvin Turner. And I was like, oh, my God, what was going on with his offense? Things just wasn't, weren't clicking for him. He, he did end up still having over 200 yards that game but and had a touchdown. But he had two interceptions, and it just wasn't a great day. And I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to say it's a culmination of bad coaching, the uh, strength of opponent, and just ca- I have to put some blame on uh, Cordero as well, too. So Yeah, because, again, he's a dual-threat quarterback. And, like, again – like obviously if you're running for your life the entire day and everything like there's only so much you can do but also again you're a dual threat quarterback for a reason like he has to like if he's going to be like label himself as such you have to be able to get out of some of those situations where people are going to try to or like your offensive line is going to collapse around you sometimes and you have to be able to make a play out of it and he just was not able to yesterday like even looking at his rushing yesterday he had nine carries for 11 yards like that's not a dual threat. That's not a yeah. dual threat right there. That is somebody who managed to maybe get out of it maybe once or twice. Um, so Cordero, I again, I was kind of avoiding Cordero because I was I only keyed in on Calvin Turner as like the, the keystone for this offense. So I was like, I don't really want any shares of Cordero. And looks like so far I was right. Um, in terms of another player that was kind of disappointing yesterday. Again, this is like a relative disappointing, but Deion Hankins. Um, it's less his stat line because he had 11 carries 50 yards one touchdown so it's not the worst thing in the world uh like like you're not like devastated or anything like that uh with that stat line but to me the bigger story was the fact that he was tied for the most amount of carries on his team um i forget uh i forget his first name off the top of my head but a lot the other running back there tied him for 11 carries and had more yards per carry than him now a lot didn't get any touchdowns uh, if I remember correct, Actually, no, he did. He did. He did get a touchdown. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, Thirty-four yard uh, touchdown. So, oh, I did get a touchdown yesterday, and so I, to me, that's just a little bit concerning. Now, again, Hankins did get banged up a little bit, was taken out. So, again, Watt's kind of the next guy up and everything. I imagine Hankins is probably still the RB one here, but again, back to sharing carries this much makes me just a little bit concerned uh, for his overall value going into the rest of the season. It seems that they have uh, another guy that's uh, playing two positions as well. I think his name is uh, – I'll go with his last name. I can't even pronounce the first name. I think it's Wadley. Quadres. Yeah, Quadres yeah. Watley. He's getting rushing and receiving work. So the, I think that UTEP offense is, you know, kind of moving away from, like, last year. I think it was mainly just Deion Hankins running the ball, uh, trying to do as much as he could mm-hmm. as a freshman. So now they have a. It seems if Cowan pans out, then you know they may be able to diversify some things, and maybe he won't have as many touches. Now they have a little bit more reliability in the run and the pass. Sounds good. All right, Xavier. What's what's one more? Uh, what's one more uh, uh, Saturday sucker that you're you're kind of worried about, or that you <sighs> kind of disappointed you? I hate to I hate to do this, but uh, I'm gonna have to go with a guy that John Lobb was kind of a. Uh, piping up a little bit Kevin Mintz out of UConn I know UConn is not like you know the flashiest program I, I'm not gonna say anything bad about UConn I know John uh we love you John we we support your diehard fandom of UConn but Kevin Mintz just wasn't that impressing to us uh we thought you know the Fresno State defense something is it's nothing to really scoff at they have maybe like 
one or two pieces there that, you know, could have some NFL talent. I think there's one guy, A.J. Mosley, but that's neither here nor there. That's just the football and me talking. But uh, Kevin Mensah, I was kind of expecting just, you know, a little bit more uh, production out of him. Maybe mm-hmm. they'll go against, you know, some some easier opponents. I know they play – I believe they play UMass either week one or two, one of these earlier weeks. So maybe you'll have a, a little bit better game than that. And But it just – yeah, it was not inspiring. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, he was – I don't even think he was the – they were using um, they were using him and Carter. Uh, they were mostly Carter looked like the better back from uh, from my angle to where he looked a lot of a lot faster, a little the speedier back. Also, can use in the receiving work. So mm-hmm. it, it it is uh, concerning because I know there were a lot of people hoping that uh, Mensa would be that. Uh, I think he was going for his third thousand yard season. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Oh yeah. So those are the players or that those are most of the players that kind of disappointed us this past weekend. So now we're going to move on to a waiver wire discussion. We're going to talk about who we want to pick up off who we think you should pick up off the waiver wire as well as who some who are some players you should probably avoid on the waiver wire even though they had great weekends this past weekend. You should definitely not pick them up. Or at least I don't think you should pick them up or Xavier doesn't think you should pick them up. Yeah. So we'll go with the first our winners, our waiver winners. And, I mean, top of the list, obviously, is Zach Charbonnet. Um, had himself a great game. Clearly going to be a major part of this UCLA offense going forward. If not for anything else, just store him onto your bench and just to wait and see what happens with this UCLA running back room. Because I think, worst case scenario, you realize he's just not getting the carries or anything that you want. You drop him in a couple weeks. Best case scenario, him and Britton Brown become this year's Javante Williams and Michael Carter. And again, I, again, I, I reiterate: best case scenario, top of tippy top of the ceiling, they are this year's Javante Williams and Michael Carter, where they're both weekly starters. But again, I see no reason why not to just take a flyer or, or, or to just store Zach Charbonnet. He's currently rostered on sixty-seven percent of leagues. So if you if he's still on the waiver wire in your league, make sure you pick him up. Uh, Xavier, who's another uh, player that you want to pick up off the waiver wire this week? I'll go with J- uh, Jacob Cowan um, out of UTEP. I think uh, I'll take the flyer on him for this week. Uh, if I if I was struggling at receiver, um, especially in some of our deeper leagues, I, I think his his natural talent, especially you've seen his athleticism with the one hand catch, and I'm not one of those people that just say, "Oh, he can do a one hand catch. He must be a good receiver." Like no. Guy, uh, man's had over like a hundred yards, had a touchdown, had the one hand catch as well. So he shows the intangibles to be a good receiver and be a bright spot on that kind of uninspiring uh UTEP offense. And also, they play Bethune Cookman next week, so mm-hmm. might as well. I think you know, if, if you're expecting uh, <laughs> to have the repeat production, I'm glad it's but against Bethune Cookman and not against a you know, a worthy opponent. Yeah, it's not, it's not like they're playing like Bama next week or something like that. Yeah, no, then I would not pick up a <laughs> single player. Um, in terms of somebody else who I, okay, we got two more players here that I think are worth, um, rostering. Uh, I'm going to go with the tight end out of San Jose state, Derek Deese. This was somebody who I personally was a little surprised that a lot of people were, um, going, having going undrafted in most leagues. Um, this was a man that was very much part of the passing game last year, even with, uh, Trey Walker and, um, uh, Bailey Gaither. Yeah, he was still probably easily the number three target on that offense. And I think this year he's set to do uh, plenty of work. Yesterday, this offense clearly likes to use their tight ends. Uh, two of the top scorers in fantasy on San Jose State's uh, receiving core were tight ends. Uh, I think only, um, I think it was Braddock. No, 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 uh, Ross. Ross is the only one that scored more than either of these two tight ends. And even then, one of the tight ends got all their points on one play. Uh, so Derek Deese, I think, is clearly going to be that guy that gets the most targets. Um, if you want a guy that's going to be consistently out on the field for San Jose State, I think the rest of the receiving room is going to be rotating quite a bit because they're not entirely sure who's going to step up as their number one, number two wide receivers. Uh, most people are betting Hamilton, who I'll, I'll talk about here in a minute. Um, but I think if you want a safe bet on this uh, San Jose State offense. Derek Deese is the way to go. And Xavier, uh, you, uh, we got listed here the last guy on the San Jose State offense that I think if you want a safe choice on this offense, he's the one to go with. So what do you gonna, what do you think about Tyler Nevins? 
Yeah, I think Tyler Evans is a, is a great option. I think he is the clear RB1 for that team. Uh, he had 12 carries, 91 yards, and a touchdown. Also, he had work at receiver, too. He had two receptions for, I believe, 20, yeah, 23 yards. So I think that's a you know a nice part of the offense to where San Jose can have a nice spread offense for this upcoming season, and Tyler Evans is definitely going to be a key part of that. So I wouldn't mind taking a flyer for Tyler Evans if they're going against uh, you know some low-ranked opponents as well, too. So even against like you know some – probably better competition. I think Tyler Nevins gets a, a decent amount of work as well. So mm-hmm. I, I like Tyler Nevins going into the season and picking him up off the waiver wire. Yeah, Tyler Nevins is rostered on only 4% of rosters right now, and I think he's Ooh. an absolute steal right now. Um, and again, a lot of these guys we're kind of mentioning here, it's like if you have a weakness at tight end, Derek Dees I think is a great option for you to pick up. Tyler Nevins, if you're struggling at running back, absolutely worth picking him up in my opinion because I think he'll give you a safe four every single week. Um so yeah, those are kind of our waiver winners for the week. Uh, now we're going to talk about a couple of guys who had great Saturdays. Um, oh man! But we don't think we don't quite think they are worth picking up onto your waiver wire. So Xavier, you sound excited. Who do you want to talk yes. about first? Oh yes, Adrian Martinez. Uh, <laughs> this, this, this. Yeah, we're gonna get to Adrian Martinez. Yeah, Jared. I'm good. Uh, I'm good. He's all good. He's all good. Drink your water, Jared. Well, I, I, don't worry. I, I know I took your breath away because we're about to go into this man's <laughs> whole career. Adrian Martinez has been probably one of the biggest disappointments in fantasy that I think we've ever seen since we've started fantasy for the past like three years. Even since coming in, everybody thought Adrian Martinez was the next big thing since sliced bread. And he has been so underwhelming. And we keep on giving him chance after chance. And it's just not worth it. Especially with Scott Frost as your head coach and uh, Scott Frost as your head coach and Adrian Martinez as your quarterback, that's just a bad combination. It's like bananas and like spin, like spinach, spinach or something. Like it's just it doesn't go together. Like it's something that you should not have on your team. I know what he did last game with get the big play rushing touchdown that got him over a hundred yards rushing. So if you did have a prop bet, I will shout out JD Yonk. He had him over the fifty point five prop bet uh, for rushing, but. Mm-hmm. He's going to be playing from behind a lot. He's not great. This this man's this man's arm and accuracy is just terrible. Uh, he he makes basically makes up like all the games against second unit players after the game's been put away, which Illinois did, where they started putting in. They just had to hold on to their lead, and even that they started making a slow comeback. It was already the fourth quarter. There was nothing Nebraska could do. So Adrian mm-hmm. Martinez was basically just stat padding. So, yeah, I would never, ever, ever, ever take a chance on Adrian Martinez. Now, I've, I've seen the strategy where people just, you know, don't – they stream QBs or they go, like, zero QB. And if you're going that route, it's possible, but I still don't like it. He's too inconsistent. Like, again yeah, – it's, it's way too inconsistent. For as awful as a day he had on Saturday, he still scored 30 fantasy points. But one thing I think people really need to take into account – is that almost half those points, 13 and a half points, came from a single play where he had 75-yard touchdown. That's not something he's going to replicate every single week. Absolutely not. That meant, like, this is these are the kind of things you have to look for. Like, you can't just look at the box score. You can't just look at the fantasy points. You have to go deeper into the game and realize, like, hey, like, an explosive play like that doesn't happen every single game, especially for a player like Martinez, who is inconsistent as all hell. So I'm telling people, don't imagine him as, oh my God, he could earn me 30 points next week. Look at him and see him as a guy for what he is. And that is that he is probably going to earn you maybe 16, 70 points on a, any given week. And that's if he is stat padding with yeah. passing at the end. So I say, do not worry about drafting Adrian Martinez. Um, do not worry about him picking him up on the waiver wire. So the next player i have here who had an incredible saturday had a great day uh playing against uh quite possibly actual air um was nick starkle uh quarterback for san jose state again i like nick starkle i've been following him around uh, i don't think he's the best talent in the world or anything don't get me wrong but you know i i appreciate a good story where a guy finally seems to have found his place like again he was at texas a&m went to arkansas that didn't work out now he's moved off to the west coast and he's really kind of seemed to have found his place in offense that he really can run very well or at least very well for the conference and everything competition that he can play down to and everything um 
and he was the quarterback one this past weekend. He had about 38 points um, playing against, again, Little Air in Southern Utah. Um, he had four touchdowns, uh, one interception, and one rushing touchdown. But again, he was playing against Little Air. This is not something I expect every single week from this man. I do not think that he will be somebody... Um, I was very surprised by how long they kept him into the game. Um, it wasn't until, I believe, that he threw possibly one of the worst pick sixes I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, like, it was bad, Xavier. Like, go look up the clip if you haven't seen it already. Um, this, was the, this was part of a drive where I just don't think he cared. Like, this was like, there were several passes that he made in this one where I was just like, he absolutely does not care if this gets picked or not. Um, like, I, I texted the group chat where I was like, it, like, at one point I was like, this San Jose State is playing Madden on easy right now because they're just taking deep shot after deep shot and they don't care. They don't care. They're just looking to see if they can hit deep shots. They're just having fun. Um, and again, this drive, he just threw a piss poor, um, piss poor interception for a touchdown. But anyway, that's all besides the point. I don't think he's going to be replicating this every single week. And if you look at his stat line, again, 16 for 27, that is not a good completion percentage. Um, and this, again, playing against Southern Utah, which is not, a, again, not a very good team. So once you get a team that can actually defend those deep passes just a little bit more, I don't think Nick Starkhole is going to be kind of hitting these bomb after bomb after bomb. He's got a lot of receiving talent in that room, don't get me wrong. But again, I don't think you are going to be seeing him replicate that success every single week. So we got one more guy here on the... Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, I was going to go to the next guy. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah we have one more guy, uh, Mike Epstein, uh, the running back from Illinois. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's just, you know, he's not going to be that lead back at Illinois. And it, even, if, even if he is, Illinois is not going to be as good enough to have the relevance for you know for you to pick him up. They're, they're going to be better backs out there, probably to take waivers or flyers on. That will mm-hmm. have higher, like, ceilings and probably even better floors than Mike Epstein. Because <laughs> it's just, yes, it's he, he did his job for the game for Chase Brown being out and going against a terrible Nebraska team at the time. Well, not even at the time, still is at the time. <laughs> so, I was gonna it, say, what, what has Nebraska done to make them not terrible anymore? Yeah, exactly. So, he's just a it's just a good running back for Nebraska. If you're just like, I'm not Nebraska, Illinois, and from a pure football and like taking fantasy out of it. He, he ran the game the way he was supposed to run the game. It's nothing amazing or nothing I need to, like, you know, look any more into. I, there's no need to pick him up on a roster because, you know, he had the touchdown and, like, 70-something yards. Mm-hmm. I just don't see it as uh, sustainable as well, too, with Chase Brown coming back. And maybe if uh, Isaiah Hamilton or Williams or – I forgot which one uh, – uh, the receiver for Illinois. Oh, Isaiah is, Williams. Williams. Isaiah Williams, you know – start uh, getting into a better rhythm and groove of in that uh, receiver, number one receiver role, then Epstein will just, I don't think he's going to emerge as like that key player. So I'll hold off on Epstein probably mm-hmm. for the entire season, unless, you know, he could prove me wrong, but I just doubt it. No. And again, I think that's entirely fair. I was, I, I kind of mentioned earlier in the show, like, I don't think, again, I thought he had a good day Saturday, but I just don't think he's going to be worth putting onto your roster. Even as somebody, like, even if you're struggling at running back, I don't see him being an option for you. Yeah, no. So, yeah, I think that basically covers week zero. Um, we, we, we talked about, um, we just kind of talked about our thoughts on the games for the most part. Again, there's only five games this week, so we kind of ran through that just a little bit quick, uh, pretty quickly. Uh, we talked about some of our standouts uh, that we, uh, some players that we were impressed by. We talked about the players that disappointed us. Uh, we talked about who we're targeting on the waiver wire, uh, who we're not targeting on the waiver wire, despite their great Saturdays. So please let us all, like all those different categories, let us know in the comments, who are you impressed by? Who are you disappointed by? Who are you um, targeting on the waiver wire after this week? Who are you avoiding despite the fact that they did not have a good, or that they had a great weekend? So please let us know all that down in the comments. Um, I believe we are at the end of our show here. Um, Xavier, thank you very much for joining me this morning. Um, y'all, please make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. I am at CFF underscore Jared. Xavier is at CFF underscore Xavier. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Spotify. Uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We are going to have an incredible stuff for you this upcoming season. I'll put the schedule up here on the board. Uh, like I said, 
Mondays, uh, we'll have our weekly recaps, which is what you're listening to right now. Very next day, so tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Monday, you'll be seeing our upcoming week previews for, so again, for this one, we'll be previewing week one. And then sometime this week, probably, I believe, our first player starts Thursday Thursday. this week. So we're probably going to release on Wednesday our discussion as to who will be starting in the Kings Classic CFF League. So... Xavier, do you have anything else you want to add before we head out of here? Um, not not too much. Uh, yeah, keep on uh, supporting us. We really appreciate it and all that. Um, like Jared said, follow us on all social media. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Um, yeah, it's been a great day, and uh, we can't wait to get on to our next episode because it's going to be a really good one because we have week one where <laughs> we have game. a lot of, lot of games to go through. and A, a lot big of one for us. On. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we have the big one. So we're going to be excited and, you know, kind of nervous a little bit because it is going to be – we're kind of still undecided. We, I, we'll, we'll still say – I'll still go with my homework bias of, uh, you know, Georgia winning it. But, mm-hmm. yeah. All righty, y'all. Thank you very much. And we'll see you guys next time on Chasing the Natty. Yeah, see you.